Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buchholz, and this is episode 222, Blank Page to Final Draft, an interview with Bryn Donovan, coming to you on Thursday, November 19th, 2020. I actually don't have a ton of notes and other things to tell you because I have been busy writing this week. I hope you have also gotten a lot done, whether it is um, putting down new words or editing or sticky noting everything. I've moved some of my sticky notes from the dining room uh, onto the back of my door in my office because as my husband pointed out, there's nothing on the back of the door. So he sticky noted his door too with his middle grade study that he, uh, uh, middle grade story that he's working on right now. Uh, so I am neck deep into happy thoughts about writing and um, stories and love and happily ever after and the hero and the heroine. <laughs> So I hope whatever you're doing, whether or not you're like murdering somebody or doing some sort of, you know, monster event, I hope you're having fun. I hope you're having a really, really fun time. Remember the first draft is all about you having a really good time. And then the second draft, you have to start thinking more about the reader. So as a matter of fact, um, with all of this nano uh, writing frenzy going on, I have decided that I wanted to have all editors as guests during December. And since the episode comes out every Thursday, we have five Thursdays in December, which means that we will have five fabulous people talking about editing for the whole month. And in fact, there's a few more people on my um, people not really lists, but people I've been talking to who I'm like, oh, I think that these people might come on to talk about editing too. It could go on into January, which will be great. So um, we're definitely going to be talking to uh, Lisa Cron, who wrote Wired for Story and uh, Story Genius, and her friend Jenny Nash, which is how I heard about Jenny. She's with uh, Author Accelerator. She's the CEO there. We've got uh, Ali Mashadi who's the CEO of uh, the Writer's Ally, which is another company that has several editors working there who do book editing. And then we've got two agents, Sarah Megabo from KT Literary and Julie Gwynn from the Seymour Agency. All of them gonna be talking about editing, what to do with your story after you've gotten that first draft out. So it's gonna be a fabulous month, even if you're busy uh, having fun and um, eating and baking and cooking and whatever in December, make sure that you make a plan to listen to all five of those episodes. It's gonna be fantastic for your writing. This episode is also going to be similarly fantastic because Bryn Donovan wrote a book that just came out called Blank Page to Final Draft. And in fact, everything that we talked about was uh, so much on that topic that I was like, well, we're just going to make that the episode name as well. So this is a great episode regardless of where you're at in the process, we're probably talking about it during this episode. And Bryn has tons of experience. She's super great at her job, which is as an editor. And also she's a writer and she writes books for writers. She really knows her stuff. She's also just the most encouraging person. So no matter what you need, you're probably going to get it in this episode. Have I ever said that about an episode before? <laughs> so here we go. Let's talk to Bryn. Happy writing. Keep on going. Don't get discouraged. Just keep on going. Write for yourself. Remember, this is supposed to be a fun thing that you're doing. So here we go with Bryn. 
Today's guest is Bryn Donovan. Bryn Donovan is the pen name of Stacey Donovan, the author of several romance novels, children's books, gift books, and nonfiction books, including Master Lists for Writers and 5,000 Writing Prompts. Her day job is executive editor at Hallmark Publishing, and she blogs about writing and positivity at BrynDonovan.com. She has an MFA in creative writing from the University of Arizona, and she works in publishing. An eternal optimist, she believes in being your true self, expressing yourself creatively, and not letting anyone set limits for you. Welcome, Bryn. Oh, thank you, Kitty. It is so nice to be back here. I love, I love what you do and oh. uh, inspiration you give to writers. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I have to say I'm super excited to have you on as Bryn because Bryn Donovan is also all about optimism and encouragement and helping writers. So yay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh, well, listen, um, people who've been listening to my show really regularly probably feel like they already know you because of how much I talk about you and Hallmark Publishing and Hallmark Authors. There are days when I think, you know, um, I got to be careful. This has got to be, I mean, because I want it to be, I, I got to keep my podcast like as even as possible, try to get all the genres in all the different kinds of things. But there are days when I'm like, has this become the Hallmark show or the Ravel show? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, yeah, <laughs> well, you, we have a lot going on lately. So, <laughs> right. And, you know, and you, you think about and, and talk about people that, you know, so, and Absolutely. yeah, meeting Thanks. you. Yeah. Sorry. I keep talking over top of you. Cause I'm like, so excited to, um, to just, uh, have you back on the show, but I'm going to be quiet for a second. <laughs> Uh, well, we, we've had a lot going on with Hallmark Publishing and books becoming movies and uh, new new releases. So uh, we really appreciate it. Yay. Good, good. Well, anytime that I can help, you know that I am here for you. <laughs> but in the meantime, um, we're here to talk about Bryn, the author and the writing teacher, really. Um, I originally started hearing, so your brand new book that is um, just two days old by the time that everybody hears this is called blank page to final draft. And I originally heard about it when you decided to start doing a video series for a year that kind of was what became the book. Is that right? That's right. So yeah, blank page to final draft started out as a YouTube series. And actually the YouTube videos take you all the way through getting the first draft. And then at that point, I realized that my plan to take you through editing um, wasn't gonna be really great in video form. <laughs> so editing <laughs> is very specific, you know, and I thought, I just don't know how to make this into a really, uh, into really good videos. <laughs> and plus everybody's working at their own pace. And so the like, page to final draft book uh, grew out of the YouTube series. Yes. Nice. Uh, but I had wanted to, write it for a while or teach it for a while either way uh, because for me personally as a writer it took me so long it took me years to be able to finish a manuscript and then the first one I finished was such a mess that I didn't even know how to edit it <laughs> so, I, and hear so you. I know that I'm not the only one in this situation you know you would have thought it that it would have come, I thought it would come more easily to me because I yeah. do have an MFA in creative writing 
It's always been my thing. And it didn't come easy, easily to me at all. I learned a lot of lessons the very hard way. And then when I started working in publishing, I learned even more. And yeah. so I wanted to write the book to spare people that kind of pain of wanting to finish a novel and a novel that is really worthy of publishing to want to get to that point for years and not being able to get there. Um, I want to save time for other people. So that's why I did it. That's you know. awesome. What a great idea. And um, like, what a great heart for it. I'm off, off, often talking to writers about, you know, what's the, what's the why, what's the, the story reason or the core message. And I love that um, there are people writing books for writers because they just genuinely want to help other people to have an easier path. Yes, yes. And I think that when people are working towards their writing goals, unfortunately, the stories that they hear most are about easy successes. And so they hear about the person in their writing network who's an indie author and publishes a book every two months. And they hear about the 21-year-old who got the six or seven figure book deal. Yeah. Uh, these are the stories that get told over and over. And so it can be disheartening. It can make really good writers think, oh, maybe this isn't for me, you know. I, I, I'd been thinking about this and then I went to a conference a little while back and it, there was an interview or a Q and A with an author who I like very much. And someone asked her how long it took her to get published. And she said, I will tell you the truth. I wrote six full novels before I got one published. I wrote 1 million words. And that's the truth. I, I worked really hard on a book, tried to get it published, struck out, did it again six times, you know, or did it again five times. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was great that, that she shared that story because I think they're more common, the, those stories are more common than people realize. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's good for people to hear that just because it may take you a little longer to get there, uh, doesn't mean that it's, it's for you, isn't for you. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And everybody has, uh, not only every individual person will have a totally different journey than the person they're sitting next to, but also each book is different. So if your first one was hard, your second one might just flow out or your first one might've been. Yes, yeah. and I talked to, of course, <laughs> I talk to authors all the time and that's really their experience too, where some of them are struggle and some of them are just like charmed, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the funny thing is that some I have seen and talking to authors, all kinds of authors, not just my, the authors I work with at Allmark, but talking to authors, sometimes the ones that are a struggle wind up being like these great, you know, great books, wind up being their favorite books. Uh, so the struggle, I think, is just part of it. Yeah. But I think for a lot of aspiring writers, they have a couple of things going against them that, that uh, they need help with. And one of them is just how to structure their time and structure the project, you know? And yeah. so it's like page to final draft. It, so it has 52 steps. If you do one step a week, you'll have a polished, ready to publish a ready submit draft at the end. Nice. And follow it along step by step. And you don't have to like quit the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> who can do that? You know, you're, you're going to school, you have your job, you've got your kids, maybe you're taking care of someone. Um, and so it's designed to fit into your, your life. And uh, yeah, so I think sometimes people need, uh, just need help with the structure, how to break it down into steps. Um, and then on the editing pro process, I think there's not nearly as much practical advice out there about how to edit as there is about how to write a draft or how yeah. to get And uh, so much of writing is editing more than people think. So, um, so I, I really wanted to break down those two things in particular, you know, how to structure your time, how to plan it out and, uh, and then how to do the editing process. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a really messy draft, you could, you could use this book just to edit it too. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And especially, um, wow, my first book, it's amazing that it ever actually became something that was publishable, but first it was, um, First, it was a proposal, you know, just three chapters for, oh my gosh, it used to be a really popular um, competitor to Hallmark. And then they went under, you know, in the nineties and I can't think of the name of it, but I, I pitched to an editor. Uh, yeah. At this big romance um, group and, and she was like, great, send me the full. And so I was working on it. And then I found out she either got pregnant and quit or moved to another company or, Terrible. That happened to me with Harlequin too. You know, revise and rewrite. And I sent it in and then like, oh, she's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're not interested. <laughs> you know, with the publisher, I almost threw a name out there. And then I was like, wait, maybe they still exist. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And you want to be careful not to offend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. That book, it, it went through. So it started there. Then I sent uh sent a proposal and or you know it's a matter of um meeting people at conferences you know it's huge i met you at a conference yes that's yeah. right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um so then i you know kind of tweaked it a little bit because this publisher published a slightly different kind of romance and then that became an almost but no and then something else happened and then Somebody said, have you ever heard of chiclet? You just seem like you would have more of a chiclet voice. I was like, no, I don't know what that is because it was kind of newish. And then I started writing it. I'm like, oh my gosh, if there were no rules and I could write anything I want, this would be the way I write. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. things just, uh, things just bring you along. And um, the, now, so here's one of the things though. What do you think? So you and I having a conversation, you probably have some notes that you were thinking maybe you could go through in order, but uh, we'll probably go off on a couple of tangents. Yeah, I didn't, so this is great. <laughs> okay, good. So, so I have a uh, eight week coaching program called finish your book because this year more than ever, I have found a lot of people are just losing their energy and their creativity. You know, we've got a lot of stress going on in our world right now. Um, but there are times when the best thing you can do is not finish that book, then move on. So you've been as a writer and an editor, probably on both sides of that fence in, in both instances. So I guess that's four sides of a square. <laughs> right. What, what are some of your thoughts about when to push through and when to realize that maybe what you really need to do is start with something else? This is a great question. And I think it depends on a few things. Um, I think when you're feeling resistance and don't want to finish, the more you can do to think about why that is, uh, the better. And uh, my 
like silly method for getting at this is to like write at the top of a piece of paper. And I do this for all kinds of problem solving. Right at the top of the piece of paper, okay, Bryn, why don't you want to finish this book and free write as fast as you can? And then you'll get answers there that you didn't have otherwise. Yeah. Uh, your goal is to fill up the page and you'll get to things. Sometimes the reason that you feel resistant, so there's a few different reasons I think that people feel resistance. So it, it'd be a little bit of a long answer, but it's such this a is great. Yeah. Um, sometimes people feel resistance because subconsciously they know there is a problem with the plot, but they don't want to face it consciously and their conscious brain is protecting them from it, you know? Um, but, uh, but if, if, if part of you knows that this plot doesn't make sense, that it's not working, that there's a hole, that there's lack of tension, uh, any, any kinds of problems like that, uh, you consciously will not want to work on it, you know, because your conscious creative brain is like, look, this is not <laughs> going to come together, you know. Yeah. Um, it can be painful to confront a real plot problem with the story because you think, well, all of my writing is going to go out the window. I'll just practically have to start from scratch. Now, often when you actually confront it, like when you first see the problem, you're like, this is insurmountable. I, I should just start with a blank slate. But give yourself three days. Tell yourself, hey, subconscious, and I do this out loud, hey, subconscious, can you please fix that plot hole? Can you please fix that plot problem? Then don't think about it for a few days. I've done this a few times and my subconscious like, well, you, you know, you're brushing your teeth a few days later and my subconscious was like, oh, hey, so I figured that out. <laughs> Uh, so this is how I did. So yeah. So one of the reasons you feel resistance is because your your story, the structure of your story, there's a problem and it isn't working. Um, another reason can be that you have a lot of deep seated negative feelings about writing that are and so you're sabotaging yourself. Yeah. You know, your doubts about yourself as a writer, your doubts about your chances of succeeding. Um, your fears of finishing a draft and then other people have to read it, right? If you always yeah. abandon them, you never have to face that moment where people give you feedback. True. So, so, so sometimes it's doubt and, doubts and fears. And I write a lot in the beginning of blank page to final draft. I go through some of those common fears and encourage people to re-script and think, like substitute a different idea instead. Yeah. Uh, and then the third reason sometimes people want to abandon things is because uh, every new idea is fun. Every new idea feels like this genius idea. Right? So true. That's the, that's the fun part. Right? Um, but if you don't get through the hard work part, you, you're never going to get to your goal. Now, if, now, if you just like starting stories and not finishing them, then that's great. Do it, you know, right. But yeah. if your goal is really to finish, um, then you have to go ahead and be willing to do that hard part as well as the fun. When, when, an, when an idea is new, it always seems like the best idea in the world. When you get into it, you're working through all these different things, you know, it loses its luster a little bit, Yeah. but, um, but it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. I always think, with the idea of like, should I set this aside and start something new? Now, look, if you've finished a few books that you felt really great about, um, then sure, set it aside, start something new. If you've never finished a novel, 
just finish it. There's some things that you can only learn by finishing a novel. Yeah. There's no way you can learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, and you'll think, oh, but this is idea is better. You're going to have time. You can write that idea too. Yeah. But you've, you've got to learn things that you can only learn by getting to the end of the draft. So. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that um, by the time you are two, three, four books into your writing career, you start realizing, oh, this is a totally normal problem for either all writers everywhere, or this is my totally normal problem that happens at the same time in every book. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, going back to the, the thing about subconsciously knowing there's a problem. The advice that writers give each other all the time is just keep writing, writing no matter what, don't overthink it. I think this is terrible advice. So, because if there's a problem, you're just, it's, it's friction. It's like walking against a, a tide. It's, it feels terrible. And uh, sometimes the best thing you can do is stop and get feedback. So one thing that I'm suggesting in blank page to final draft that I really almost see nobody else suggest. So it's, it's a little bit going against conventional wisdom. I'm asking people to get feedback at the basic story idea stage and at the three, three chapter stage. Oh yeah. Almost nobody does this. They're like, no, wait, right till the end, don't show anyone. This is bad advice in my opinion, because if you have a chronic problem in the plot, in the premise and the setup, if you have a chronic writing problem that would be really easier to fix now than to fix after you've written 75,000, 9,000 words, yeah. catch it now, it's gonna make it so much easier. And then the other good, there's other good things about bringing in feedback at those at that point. First of all, if you've never gotten feedback before, it's an opportunity to go ahead and, and deal with that issue of getting feedback. Uh, being scared of feedback holds so many writers back, you know, being yeah. scared of feedback, you know. And it um, seems like um, psychologically, it would just be so much easier to get feedback and on, on an idea because it's so small than on a 90,000 word book, which is like, I've just put months of my life into this. How could you tell me, you know, such terrible things? And, and part, of the re part of the reason I came to this idea about, the, about getting feedback at, the, at those stages is that at Hallmark Publishing, most of our book deals are made on proposal only. And the reason for that is Hallmark does such a specific type of story. Uh, not as specific as some people think, but, but it has a lot of specific parameters. Yeah. And so our process is that a writer turns in a proposal. And if I think it's promising, I work with the writer on the proposal. I bring it into a pitch meeting with producers and they kind of workshop. They, they actually workshop it very diligently. I've learned so much about storytelling uh, from programming at Hallmark. Wow. Uh, and, and this, and this proposal gets uh, worked out like it'll go through two, three, four drafts sometimes before we finally feel like, okay, this, this story idea is solid and we're going to make an offer and you can write, write the book. And what I've seen is this really rigorous painstaking process at the proposal stage. And I know this myself because I wrote one of the Hallmark books. Yeah. <laughs> um, makes the drafting so much easier because you've worked out so many problems already. Yeah. yeah. So, but people can be very protective of their idea. Like, what if people don't like it? What if people steal it? Which, like, 
mostly nobody does because they like their ideas. Yeah. <laughs> People always like their own ideas better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So getting that feedback at the, at the just basic story idea stage and at the three chapter mark stage uh, will catch problems and then you don't carry them, carry them through your whole manuscript. You know how hard it yeah. is. I just started cross stitching again. And you know, oh. If, if you get off by one stitch, you have to pull out everything <laughs> yeah. in the same way, you know, so you got to spare yourself that. And then the other good thing is if you have people who read just three chapters, they're going to be more likely to be beta readers for your full novel later because right. they, they want to see how it turned out. Yeah. You get them invested. It's really hard to find a good beta reader for a complete novel because it's a ton of work. Yeah. And so it's also another way to like bring your beta readers along and get them in. Nice. That's a great of- idea. I have never heard anybody talk about that. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to bringing them in like that. So. Nice. So <laughs> in your book, your brand new book that just came out, um, is that part of the process in this 52 week, 52 step? Cause it, you don't have to do, you don't have to make it last a year, but it's 52 steps. You could do it over right. a year or however once a week, or you can do it lightning fast, or you can take it slower. Honestly, if you think about the books that you admire most, I guarantee you most of them, they took more than a year to write, you know? Yeah. So people always beat themselves up for speed. Think about your favorite books. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's part of the process at, at the story idea stage and at the three chapter marker. Uh, and then the rest of the time, I'm encouraging people to not keep on rewriting their chapters, you know, right? People have that trouble too, and they're like, "I'll just rewrite chapter one 17 times." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've got these checkpoints in here, here, and here. The rest of the time, full speed ahead, write your story. Yeah, nice. Now, um, <laughs> there's probably some people listening who are thinking, "But I'm a pantser. That isn't really how I do it." What's what are your thoughts when you're talking to somebody who says, "I'm a pantser"? If you're a pantser and you've completed a few or several books that you're very happy with, you're very happy with the results, um, happy with, with where you are in your writing journey, I've got nothing to say to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. But if you say I'm a pantser and you're not happy with where you are, you're not finishing books or you're finishing books that you're not happy with yeah. or you're finishing books that other, you, you know, you're not getting the response that you want from audiences or eight agents or editors. If that's the case, then you can't really say that pantsing is working for you. Okay. Um, it, you can't say this is exactly the right way for me to go. Yeah. It, you owe it to yourself to at least try a different method. And, and you know, that like old saying that, it, you know, in, insanity is doing the same thing over <laughs> and over, expecting different results. I don't think it's insanity. I think that's what most of us do. Yeah. Really uncomfortable for people who are very right-brained and creative. Um, plotting is difficult at first. You know, my, my MFA is in poetry. All right. <laughs> so right. Need to learn how to do the structure of plot was a big, a big change. Um, but yeah, if, if you say I'm a pantser, but you're not at all happy with your results, to change your progress, you got to change your process in one way or another. And I think, I think you should give, uh, 
give it a try. But because I know that a lot of people hate the idea of botting, I've given some ways to do a very, very simple, one way in particular, I have my method for plotting a whole novel on a five by seven index card. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, because uh, just start there. If you do that exercise, I think you'll have enough. It'll be more, uh, way more structured than you've had before. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of times I, I talk to people about um, like going on vacation. Once in a while, you might go on vacation where you're like, let's just get in the car and drive. My husband and I did that once because he thought it would be awesome. And I was um, like already breaking out in hives by the time I got my seatbelt buckled. It, it was an experience. I won't forget it, but I also don't <laughs> want to repeat it. <laughs> but even for the trips where I'm like, I don't know, we're going to go home and uh, I don't know, we'll see people and we'll eat things and we'll do things. You, you still have a, a fair idea. Like at least you can get there. You have a fair idea of who you'll probably call to see if you'll hang out with them and a couple of things that are probably happening happening in your town at that time of year. So it's, it's not really that it's completely unstructured. You just feel like you don't have any stress and pressure about having to do something. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have a fear that they will lose the wonderful moments of discovery and inspiration as you draft. And that is not true at all. You will still have surprises. You know, your plot may change as you go through. Um, but, you know, I, I think the vacation analogy is really good. Like just because you bought a plane ticket to Paris doesn't mean, you know, everything that'll happen and you may as well not go. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's really like that. You know, you don't know what's going to happen and, uh, and, and you will make changes. But you, when you have at least a little bit of a plot outline, um, you're not going to sit down and think, well, now I, I have no idea what to do next. Right. You, yeah. you, you've got some problems in advance. Yeah. So it sounds like this book, I, when I, I started watching the videos, because I was like, oh, I know Bryn, so I'm going to watch her videos and like subscribe and support her and everything, you know? <laughs> and I was like, these are really good. I got to share them with other people, which I did. And uh, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, and I wanted to know, are, is um, the, the portion of the series that you did, is it still up on your YouTube channel? It is actually, yeah. Yeah. So I unceremoniously stopped doing them. Yeah. I, the edit, when I got to the editing, I didn't think they were going to be very good in video form. Yeah. And, how do you, you know, show? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No. And so um, what's the name of your channel or what can people search in YouTube to find your videos? Probably just the name of the book they can. Yeah, honestly, it's just Bryn Donovan. And, uh, but you can also search blank, blank page to final draft. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So uh, at first when I was watching just the first couple, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. This is like a series for people who haven't written a book before and want to, you know, get started and just need some direction. And then listening to you talk now, I'm like, this sounds like the book can be used um, by whatever level you're at. Um, does that make sense? I, you know, I hope so. And I, uh, I think so. And a lot of times, even experienced authors, if they've been away for it for a little bit, they've had a tough year, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, um, kind of need like a way to think about it and the structure and the motivation to get back into it again, to get it to hit their stride again. And I think it can be used for that too. Also, I've known a few writers who um, have written really good books, but they always feel in kind of a state of chaos. 
you, you know, in trying to structure it with all the other demands of life. Yeah. And, uh, and so it also just gives you a way to structure your time. So you're not using all that mental space. It takes a lot of mental space to plan out. Okay, then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to write this many pages by this date, you know, to, to um, that project management takes a lot of mental load itself. Yeah. So it takes that load off of you. It's just like, yeah, just you know, go these, you know, step by step. So, Perfect. yeah. So this is the third book. Um, I noticed that your nonfiction books don't have a series name exactly, but all the covers look exactly, you know, you can tell it's part of a series. So tell yeah, us a little. It's kind of like the third one in the trilogy. So yeah. my first one came out five years ago and it was because I had my writing blog, Brindonathan.com. And then some of, I hadn't planned to do a book. But some of the content on there, the lists that I made for writers, that I made for myself first, and all of my books are things started out as things I did for myself. Nice. You know, blank page to final draft. The first book I ever got a book contract for, and it was a small book contract, but for an author, your first one is big no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. And uh, the first book I ever got a contract for was after making the schedule for myself. You know. nice. uh, so all of my books for writers are things I made for myself first. So on my blog, I had these lists that I had made for myself as a writer that I thought, oh, I'll share them on my blog. And then they kind of got, they got really viral and my name stopped being attached to them. You know? uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to publish a book so I can, you know, copyright it. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then the book really took off. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Master List for Writers. That was the first one. Um, and I'm going to do a, hopefully next year, I'll do an updated version of it. Oh, good. Uh, this one has a few, um, a couple for romance writers, a few not family friendly lists. I want to do an updated version because I've heard from people a lot that they would like to have it for teens and younger writers too. So I'm going to okay. do a larger family friendly version of this book next nice. We'll see. Um, sometimes I, you know, take on to me projects. <laughs> right, right. I hear you. <laughs> uh, my second book was uh, 5,000 writing prompts. And I'm, I'm really proud of this one um, because it has writing prompts by genre. It has writing prompts like hundreds if you want to do a, a blog and need content ideas. It has poetry exercises because that's my background. I've taught poetry workshops in the past. Uh, and this one is family friendly. Uh, so I, I would say middle middle grade and up, it's fine. Uh, okay. And uh, and so that was the second one. And so yeah, so it's kind of a trilogy. Blank page to final draft will be the third one. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. Now um, I know that we have people listening who are also nonfiction writers, or like you, they write fiction and nonfiction. So let's just kind of take a path uh, in the other direction and talk up for a minute about. So you told us kind of how you got the idea for your books. Give us some ideas of how things worked out differently in a better or worse way. I mean, there's always the the unexpected, and um, how you started feeling like, okay, I've really got this nonfiction thing down now too. That's a great question. So, yeah, because Masterless for Writers was the first thing I self-published. So I had published a couple of novels with other publishers, and it was my first time uh, doing that. And I think um, if you're going to do nonfiction, 
Well, it depends. So I'm not talking about memoir, but right. other types of nonfiction uh, books. You know, the, the more you can think of the end user in mind and uh, try not to make it too much about you, make it about them, the better you'll do. And I think that's why my blog has uh, had success that it has is because uh, it's not really me focused. Uh, once in a while, I'll write about myself, but mostly I'm trying to offer what other people might want, might find interesting, might find useful, you know. Uh, so, so really thinking about that audience, you know, and focusing on them, uh, I think is, uh, is, is so important. Yeah. 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 And that's what, you know, I mentioned before we started recording, that's what I try to do in the podcast interviews. On the one oh, hand, of course, I want my guests to look awesome, <laughs> but it really has to be about the listeners. Absolutely. That's what makes it so good. Yeah. Oh, focus, on, focus on that audience. Yeah. 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 They want what they need and what'll be fun. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, there's so many things that you have been doing in your life, writing related. And I apparently feel like I should touch on every single one of them. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I won't, but I'm like, oh, let's talk about that and that. So here, here's another one that I think would be um, remiss of me not to mention, especially because um, people always want to know what is an editor thinking about this? Like what's an editor's advice on this? So um, you are executive editor for Hallmark Publishing. And I don't even know if you have any other editors working underneath you. The last time that you and I talked, I don't know that you did. But... Right. So I work with uh, freelance editors who have really good industry experience. Yeah. Excellent. We couldn't do it without, we couldn't do anything without them. Yeah. Uh, but I do a lot of hands-on editing too. And, and sometimes I wind up taking a whole manuscript. Uh, and either way, I, I'm pretty up in uh, up in the editors and authors business. <laughs> right. right. So yeah. What are some of the things, and this is something I would think that you don't need notes on at all. What are some of the things that you're like, I love it when I see an author something, or I know that this author has a problem here, you know, it's something that you see also kind of often. Right. Yes. You know, um, and in the blank page to final draft book, I have these mini lessons all along about style, you know, oh, great. That, because there are some things that I will see, like when we've had open submissions, we're looking at whole manuscripts. There's some things that you just see over and over and over again. And there are things that I have also done myself <laughs> yeah. before, before I knew better, you know? Yeah. So, so I have all those, you know, mini lessons throughout the book. Um, at the proposal stage, you know, if I'm just reading a query letter, a synopsis, um, some of the common problems include not having a clear character motivation, you know? So they, they, you, you're reading it, you're like, well, why? I guess, but why did she go to Lisbon? Why didn't she just, you know? <laughs> like talk to her mom you know like yeah. <laughs> so you like you don't understand you, you know if you don't understand the character motivation that can be really difficult um i'm always looking in a proposal and a query letter um a character arc so i was so in the case of romance for both characters and yeah. that doesn't apply to every genre uh, but i'm always looking for a character arc for 
the main characters, the point of view characters. And what an arc means is how the character learns or grows or changes throughout the story. You know, like in fantasy novels, for instance, a lot of times it's like the kind of naive farm boy who becomes the hardened warrior. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's so classic. Um, but yeah, so, or how the bitter loner becomes the villain mastermind, you know, or how the klutzy girl who's new in the big city becomes like the, you know, polished uh, professional. Uh, to use a really uh, personal example. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, so you, how the character learns and changes and grows, you know? Um, yeah. And so we're looking for that in all the, all the main characters. So, and, and that's where a lot of them fall down is, is not having the strong character arc. And, you know, sometimes I do story development myself or I have in the past, I'm not gonna do it so much. I don't think I'm gonna do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I've developed a whole story. I've written a treatment and then I've given it to an author. And so I get it cleared by the producers first, right? It gets yeah. green light and I assign it. Uh, what I learned when I was doing story development to show the producers, and it sounds so ham-handed and obvious. I put the character arc right at the top. I'm like, you know, here's my character. And over the course of the story, she learns this. Here's my, here's my hero. And over the course of the story, he changes in this way right at the top yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does it seems so obvious it seems so clunky but boy does it make you think and it makes it, it makes it really clear to understand the story yeah, yeah. And I think that that could be a, like a great writing tip for anyone, regardless of whether you, not, you plan on sending your book out or self-publishing. Uh, there's a, a book that I've been working on, um, and I've, I've known these characters for several years. And so the hero, like, I know what a great guy he is, but I was like 10,000 words in thinking there's a problem and I, I can't quite put my finger on it. So similar to you, you know, I stepped away and thought about it for a while. And then I came back and I was like, Oh, I know because Jack's at the end. I put him at the beginning, like uh, the great guy yeah. he turns out to be, I started with him there. I'm like, no, no, no. He's not a great guy yet. <laughs> right. Right. Like he, he can't be too awful or people are like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> it depends on the genre. you can have unlikable main characters, but it's a little bit, you know, um, trickier I would say yeah um, at, you know talking about the beginning another really common problem with with manuscripts is the big info dump at the beginning and they're starting too soon and so I have a chapter telling telling me all about her childhood it's just like and it's not really in her point of view it's not her thinking about it it's just the author telling me page after page about you know where, yeah. where she went to college and the dream she gave up you know, and what her parents are like. Uh, and, and so that's, what, that's a really common issue with, with manuscripts. And in the first chapter, the first three pages, you know, the writer has one job, which is to make you keep reading. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you have one job. And uh, if you imagine showing your first three pages to someone and then you think, oh, but that's not the good part. Well, then you got to cut those three pages. Okay. Yeah. And uh the easiest way to make your reader or your agent or your editor care or want to keep reading is to make them really care about what happens to a main character. You know, there are other ways to do it, but that's a really great way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now you also write, and I'm not sure um, 
I'm sure I read the first one, but I honestly just can't remember if it was science fiction or fantasy. At which uh, I write uh, paranormal, paranormal. Why is that hard to say? Romance. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I have, I have two in a series out and the next one's coming out spring of next year. Yeah. Nice. So I actually wanted it to come out sooner, but I, I've done three book projects this year. I couldn't do four. Right. <laughs> I work really long hours at the publishing business too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so paranormal romance. Uh, so it's like got magic and it's uh, steamy and angsty, you know? Yeah. yeah. And now, so I, you know, I feel like I wasn't thinking that I would ask this question. Otherwise it would have been more prepared. Now I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I can't remember. Is it um, the same main character or different main characters? Oh, no. Great question. So um, it's a secret society that started in medieval southern Spain that fights all kinds of supernatural evil. And so they have, uh, you know, sort of cells or outposts all over the world. They have a big headquarters in New Mexico that's mostly underground. Uh, and... Um, yeah, they, they've got like kind of their own global culture. <laughs> so, and uh, so you have a different two main characters in each book, but uh, the other characters uh, carry through. Are carrying through, yeah, okay. I always want to catch up a little bit with the other folks. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and most readers, you know, I'm the same, and and you sound like you might be too. Um, we like reading a book, going, "Oh, I know who that is. I know who that is." Absolutely, yeah. And uh, for people who had read books one or one and two, like after book one, they're like, "Okay, I didn't know much about Nick, but I'm interested in him." And after book two, they were saying, "Is he going to be the <laughs> the one in the in the third book?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's still, yeah." yeah. You, you learn a little bit more about a character and then by the time you're in their point of view and find out how they think, you know, it's kind of exciting because you've only seen them from the outside. Yeah. You know, now you're yeah. in their head. Yeah. So, so I have kind of a two pronged question and I was thinking about, you know, another set of your books there uh, that might be a good um, jumping off point. So um, in some cases, you've got a standalone book and you were talking about making sure that you understand the character arc for the one or two main characters, depending on the genre. Um, and in some cases, you have a series that has pretty much the same main character uh, right. who still needs to have a character arc in right. every book, but also it needs to be growing throughout the books. Do you have any uh, advice or thoughts on that particular storyline? Right. Even if you're writing with the same character over the course of several books, you have to make sure that that ending is very satisfying, that, uh, you know, it, you set up an issue in the beginning that, um, you know, feels like, like you've gotten somewhere by the end. Like yeah. That's left hanging. Even if you have a sense at the end that the story will go on. You know, Fellowship of the Ring, it, like one of my first loves was Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, when I was nine years old, you know. And uh, it, it doesn't have an especially satisfying end, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. And that's because it was written as one book. You know? <laughs> so, um, uh, 
so despite it being one of my very favorites, you know, I think you do want to have a, a little bit more of a, of a satisfying ending, especially if you're like me and you make your readers wait a while because you're busy with a lot of things. That's right. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it needs to, the ending needs to feel like an ending. Yeah. And you, you have to feel like your, char- your character at least made some progress. Yeah. So. And I think a great example, um, really a master example of how to, how to carry characters throughout a long series is Robin Hobbs, again, fantasy, Robin Hobbs fits in the fool. Whew. So they, right? Okay. Yes. 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 I started with uh, The Apprentice. Uh, the uh, Apprentice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it's nine books total. They're, they're teenagers in the first one I think you yeah. know adolescents um they are middle-aged middle-aged you know by the end and uh the character development is absolutely amazing yeah. and at the same time there's there's a core center to both of those characters that does remain the same even as they go through massive changes life stages um uh changes in identity really uh, and, and so it's a, I mean, they're wonderful books and it is a masterclass for that. I think. Yeah. 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 And you, that is such a great point. Cause, um, so in the, uh, I, I even, um, went online and Googled, like I read so many articles about where exactly you're supposed to start because like, there's the order she wrote them, but then there's the order that somebody else thought would be an easier storyline to read. And do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And who know, I don't know. I would be interested to know. Yeah. Uh, it, the first trilogy trilogy doesn't read to me as if the author is intending to go on, but then you're so maybe she did. It didn't read to me that way. But yeah. then you're so glad that she does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was just and thinking. Yeah. In the in the Apprentice book, you know, he's basically a kid. I mean, he's, he's definitely, he's becoming a young man. He's not there yet. Um, and a lot of it's coming of age. Yeah. 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 Um, but at some point, um, spoilers, he kind of becomes a wolf. And the most interesting thing that, that you just kind of pointed out is she figures out how to keep his core personality the same, even though everything that he thinks and feels is different from when, you know, he was like, I'm a man, but now I'm kind of a wolf. You have to read the back cover copy and then you'll understand where I'm going. But his core personality stays the same, which was brilliant. Yeah. And and tongue spoilers all over the place, but, uh, oh, well, you can stop listening now. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the character of the fool too. So he starts out as, as a, a boy with a lot of mystery around him and, um, then you find out that really, uh, the fool is a gender fluid character, you know, and, uh, and at first, uh, his friend, the other main character Fitz is not, is completely freaked out by this. Yeah. Later on, not freaked out at all. (laughs) It's really an interesting journey. Yeah. Uh, so just, just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely very flawed character fits is uh, is, yeah. is uh, incredibly flawed he's kind of a berserker like when when he gets into like a combat rage yeah he, dumb things you know tragically dumb things 
Um, but then he's also just so human uh, and uh, just really engaging character. Yeah. Yeah. You have to just keep finding out like what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So this is so much fun. I always love talking to writers. I could talk to writers all day. That's um, unfortunately not a hyperbole. <laughs> Uh, but there's so much that we can learn both from um, chatting about it together, listening to a podcast, um, reading great books like yours on, you know, how can I actually do it? But what about reading fiction? Tell us, what are your thoughts about how much reading we should be doing? You know, it's so important. And I will hear people say, well, I can learn about storytelling from watching TV and watching movies. And you can learn something but you can't learn everything. And so if you have all these great ideas and then you sit down and then you don't know how to form sentences, sometimes that it happens to all of us, first of all, happens to all of us. Uh, yeah. But sometimes that's an indication that you just need to read more fiction because uh, it can be easy to get out of the habit, honestly, with the internet, you know, with the uh, all the amazing programming on TV. It can be easy to get out of the reading habit. But if you read a lot of fiction, it kind of inspires that narrative voice in your own head that knows how to uh, write sentences, that knows yeah. how to tell a story. Um, and so uh, TV and movies can't help you write sentences, can't write, help you write great prose. Yeah. You can only get that from fiction. So it is really important. And in fact, if you're, struggling with writing, writing block. I think reading a couple of good books is a great prescription for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Because um, you learn to hear this rhythm in your head when you're reading. And then it just sort of starts subconsciously seeping into you and you find your own rhythm as you're writing. Absolutely. And I know some people are scared of reading books while they're writing a novel because they're afraid they're going to imitate the author. Um, and I can say from being a writing teacher and from being an editor, sorry to tell you, your voice is way stronger than you think. <laughs> You're not going to fool anyone. You're still going to sound like you. You're still going to sound like you. Yeah. That is good news for everyone. <laughs> Uh, listen, Bryn, this has been so much fun. You've got great fiction, great nonfiction for all of us. Where can people find you and all of your books? Oh, absolutely. So I have lots of free writing resources at BrynDonovan.com. And Blank Page to Final Draft, you can find it in print on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, um, I believe Target. And the ebook is available pretty much wherever you read ebooks, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple, Kobo, etc. Excellent. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and, and chatting with us. This has been a great interview. I loved it. My favorite part of the day. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the morning here. But yeah, I know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, you know, and I think uh, I just hope people remember that if they have writing aspirations, not to talk themselves out of them and not to say, oh, I'm going to do it later, you know, because you can do that your whole life, you know, but make a clear plan of where you want to get to and follow that plan. And, uh, and I think you can do it. So, and thanks for listening and happy writing. <laughs>